It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk cheese. Recorded live. Hey, beautiful people. This is Stefan. And uh, we are starting uh, our first call from Module 4, which is about building up our love for ourselves. Um, and I'm noticing something interesting. Uh, you know, self-love, working on self-love uh, can be very uncomfortable for us because we are coming face-to-face with our lack of self-love. So, you know, I'm, I'm noticing some, the number of people who are currently on the call, and this is the, the lowest turnout that we've had at least at the beginning of the call for any of the calls to date. And this is our 13th or 14th, 13th call, I think. 13th call, yeah. And so far we have the fewest people on the call out of all 13. And, uh, you know, it's not a criticism or anything, and I'm sure everybody's got their reasons for not being on the call, but it's very psychologically interesting how few people are on the call right now. So right now we have a total of, not counting me, five people out of 18. So basically, like I say, it's this is the place that we are going to be doing things to help us increase our love for ourselves, to help us increase feeling good about who we are, and become face-to-face with not feeling good about who we are in some way, to some degree, right? And... lots of times that internal tension becomes something that we want to avoid. And so so that's what what I would, uh, you know, the explanation I would use for the low turnout that we have today. Um, You know, it's funny, facing pain, like, okay, I want to address the traumatic experience in my childhood, you know, almost everybody shows up. (laughs) But we want to address self-love and we have this sort of smaller number. So if you're not on the call and you're listening to the recording, uh, really I don't want you to hear this as a criticism. I just want to bring this to your attention that this, it's hard. It it's, can be uncomfortable to focus on loving ourselves. I mean, what if you feel like you're not worth it? Like I'm not worthy of loving myself. I'm not worthy, worthy of good things for me. I'm not worthy of feeling good about myself, things like that. You know, these are the kind of things that will get in the way of doing this module. And this module is, there's, you know, we're not going to be dealing with lots of painful things. It's about just building up our self-love. And so we're going to be doing a number of different exercises on the call to help us directly um, feel better about ourselves, to help, to help us feel more appreciative of ourselves and to feel more... Um, What's well, just good about ourselves, more better increase our self esteem, ultimately increase our healthy self love. So, but before we get into all that, I want to address any uh, various questions that came in. Um, and, and Annette emailed a question, and, and I replied to you, Annette, to see if you'd be willing to talk about it on the call. And if you don't want to, that's okay. But um, 
I didn't get a reply one way or the other. So I just want to ask you on the call, if you're willing, um, there's uh, somebody else, uh, Rita, who is going to be, I, her question is actually first, and I know it's uh, something that she was feeling very uncomfortable sharing as well, but she's willing to do it partly to address any shame feeling she has. One of the best ways to heal our shame is to share something that we feel shame about and to get love and support from everybody. And uh, and also it can be really helpful because we all have stuff that we feel ashamed of and you know, we all struggle with shame in our lives. So as we share it, not only do we get support for ourselves, but it helps everybody else too that is you know, dealing with shame, which is everybody. <laughs> we all are. So um, read it. I'm going to go ahead and read your question. And if you want to also talk with me rather than just hearing the answer, uh, you know, press star 8 and uh, I'll get you on the call as well. And Annette, decide whether or not you'd like me to um, uh, you know, address your question on the call. I, I think it would be really wonderful, and I think it would help other people as well very much. Um, and it's up to you. I don't want you to make you do something you're not comfortable doing. So anyway, we got Rita here. Hey, Rita. Hello. Hey there. Hey, how you doing? Good. So what I'm going to do is uh, read your question, and then I'll okay. start, and I'll go ahead and answer it, and then you can, you know, follow up with other questions, and we can go back and forth on it. Okay, sounds good. Okay. So what you wrote was, I'm quite upset myself. I went down the same street and fell in the same hole. Uh, that's that poem, uh, Autobiography in Five Short Chapters, which is a wonderful, great poem for those people who haven't uh, ever read that by Portia Nelson. Love it. Um I jumped into bed with someone on the first day Friday night. Didn't even ask him if he wanted a relationship until Saturday morning, and he said, in so many words, that he doesn't have time for a relationship. We, are may, we may or may not be a match, but the issue is that I keep doing mental and emotional gymnastics because I want someone to love me so desperately. It feels like that at this moment. And instead of guarding my heart and going slow, I disregard my promise to go slow and be sure before I have sex. Now I don't know what to do. I thought I'd worked through all my past stuff and cleared everything. I was feeling great. Now I'm a mess again. One more thing. I'm not sure I want this to be discussed, but uh, that's the thing. At other times, when I'm feeling, quote, desperate to be loved, I feel constantly horny. I know it is love hunger, and I haven't felt it in a while. Thoughts? All right. So first of all, I really want to encourage you to be compassionate with yourself. I'm you know? better now was. What? Yeah. I'm be- it's better now than it was. I did okay, a lot of good. Nice. So, yeah. So, you know, when growing is not a direct line, right? Growth is not a direct line. It's it's a if you look on it a graph, it's it's a up and down squiggle, right? <laughs> so, it's the we feel a lot better, we do we we're healthier and then we get triggered and then we fall back. You know, lots of times people think it feels like two steps forward, one step back kind of experiences. And that's normal. So for whatever reason, you know, you were you were doing a lot of healing and clearing and feeling a lot better. And then for whatever reason, something triggered you. And I don't even think it was probably even necessarily during the date with this guy. It might have been. But my guess is, is that you got triggered before the date. And something triggered you to whatever unhealed places still exist within you. And you fell back into your old way of dealing with it. Right? So we all have our old 
pattern of trying to deal with our, our triggers and our wounds. And we all are working on this newer, healthier, better approach. And like I say, healing is, is not an on and off switch either. The, the way I've experienced healing our stuff is that the old pattern, rather than just going from I have it and now I don't, what we st- I mean, there is a point where you finally don't have it anymore. I mean, I don't want to say we never get rid of it. But until we get to that final point, what tends to happen along the way is that the pattern remains but gets harder and harder to trigger. So it used to be easy to trigger the pattern, and then we'd fall back into our old, you know, unhealthy, triggered behavior. Um, and then as we're healing, we still have the pattern, we'll still fall back into the old behavior, but it takes it takes more and more to trigger it, like a stronger and stronger stimulus to trigger it. Um, but it's still there until we finally heal it completely. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I just guess I don't know what my triggers are. Well, so the things to start, there's two ways to approach this. One is to start looking at what was going on for you, you know, what was happening in your life, um, either fairly close to the date itself, you know, within the within a day or two or three of the date, you know, something happened that week, or maybe on the date, but just see, was there anything that happened that was upsetting, that made me feel bad about myself, you know, that uh, triggered what? Not, not really. Actually, like the week before that, I got together with dinner for dinner with somebody who I'd been in that kind of relationship with, and he wanted to get back together. And I said, well, I can't go back there. I'll be happy to get together with you for dinner and ended up getting together with him for dinner and making it very, very clear that, that I wasn't going to go there again and uh-huh. left. And I think part of that had to do with I thought that that could also give him closure just so he could stop, you know, because he kept contacting me. And I could have blocked him, but I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, he's a nice person, but it it was just that same pattern. So I actually was feeling very good about myself. Um, my job is incredibly stressful, but I don't think, you know, I don't know that that has anything to do with it. So no, I, I don't really know what, what it is. Ironically, one of the things that could cause it is a healing session if it wasn't totally completed. Okay. You do one of those? Um, I don't know because I did, well, Maybe, 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 because I did, you know, I have done a number of the clearing sessions for Mark, um, you Uh know, the past relationship. And then I, following that, I did a clearing session with, for my, my abusive husband. And I worked through it. And at the end of it, my notes were, I I need to do this again. And I actually did it again last night. And when was your date? You said it was on Friday, this past Friday? It was Friday. It was Friday. So there was I I can't really identify anything in particular. Did you do step one of the self appreciation exercise before Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like where you sat down and writing down things you appreciate about yourself. No, but I've done that a bunch of times. And and so. Um, what do you mean you did it a bunch of times? You've done this exercise oh my before. God. I in the last it. year, in the last year and a half, how many times can you like you know you go to all these different things and they go write down what you appreciate about yourself. And I, you know, I can fill two pages. I appreciate a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, I don't know either. 
one of the things you can do to try and figure it out is to go back during the date and notice when it happened. Like you probably didn't did you when you went when you started the day, the very beginning. In fact, even I don't know if he picked you up or if you met him somewhere. But uh, in the minutes leading up to the date, how are you feeling? Well, and so it was actually it wasn't a date date because it was a situation where I knew he was going to be there, and we went out for a drink after the date, but it ended up being to my home instead. So I made a really bad choice of letting him in my home. So what happened during, what was the situation? Like what was going on when you shifted? So there's a, at the very beginning when you met him, wherever you met him, were you feeling good at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Were you feeling insecure? No, I don't think so. So there's a point in time somewhere where it shifted for you. Yeah. So the thing to do is kind of replay the date in your mind or the experience, okay. whatever do you want to call it. Just replay the beginning right. point of contact to yeah. the moment where a shift happened. Because there had to have been a place where you went from feeling healthy and good to going back to the old way of being and something okay. triggered it. So it sounds like something triggered it during the date. Right. And see if you can, I'm not saying to do it right now on the phone, but, you know, sit with it, kind of microscopically go through it, and see if you can notice that moment where everything shifted. Okay. Because something during, it sounds like it wasn't anything that led up to the date after all. It was actually something during the date um, that triggered you, and then you compensated or reacted in the old style. Yes. So the thing about this is not to beat yourself up for falling back into a way of doing things, but instead to become a really good detective and go, okay, what happened during the day that triggered me? Because then that's the thing you need to heal. So let this be um, a, a, an experience that helps you uncover an important trigger that needs to be healed so that you don't fall back this way again. Oh. Right? Oh. It's kind of like when somebody is... Think, uh, right. You know, right. battling addiction and they fall off the wagon and they can either beat themselves up for it or they can go, okay, what led to me falling off the wagon? And I know I can exactly. When you, when you put it that way, I know exactly. Oh, when, okay. he, when he suggested that, he, that we go to my house. Yeah. Because instead of me saying no and having a boundary, it was that same old don't upset your father Oh. And right, be a people pleaser okay. and do right. Don't right upset there. your father, and I'm guessing there was two things that okay. don't upset your father, and I'm afraid he'll reject me if I say no. Right, right, yeah, right. Okay, okay. So okay. you need to do some significant healing there. Okay. I would also encourage you to be real with him, and either well, if he's not interested in a relationship, like he said, then I don't see any reason to go forward. So this was just a good experience. But he's somebody I'm going to see in the future. And okay. I'm actually going to see him this Saturday. And I've already just, so at first I was like, I'm not even going to go Saturday. And then I went, oh, hell no. No, you're going to be strong and you're going to go and you're going to be real and honest. And so. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and not, I, I'm not interested. So are you, you're, are you interested in being sexual with him anymore? Or are you no, honest? no, I can't. No, I'm not going to do it. And I, and good. actually that, that conversation happened on Saturday. It's like, look, it, I can't do this. Okay. You know, I can't. So, but, so, yeah. So, no, I, I, 
Am I interested? Absolutely, I'm interested. But am I gonna? No, because it's okay, not. Good. It's too big of a price. Yeah. So, and in just the second part of your question of that constantly horny thing. When yeah. you're constantly horny, just like if somebody's feeling a craving for whatever their addiction is, what that actually means is that there's an unmet need going on inside. Okay. Right? And so when you notice yourself constantly horny, go, okay, what's really going on for me underneath this horniness? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because the horniness is a symptom, right? Right. It's not what's really going on. It's not, I mean, you could tap on the horniness and it'll, it'll diminish and it'll come back. I mean, what you really want to do is, okay, what's, what is going on underneath? What's my unmet need? Or what is my, uh, my, my fear, you know, my anxiety? Yes. Because that's what triggers the craving. And you can kind of think of this like an addictive craving. You know, not that it's an addiction exactly, but, you know, no, no, it's, it's analogous. Oh, no, that's exactly what it is. And, and I've, you know, and I've tried to figure it out myself to say it's because I want someone to love me. Yeah. So you want to go to that place where you're feeling unlovable. Because wanting someone to love me comes from a place of not feeling lovable. Got it. Okay. Because if we feel lovable, we still want somebody to love us, but we don't have that, the, the same feeling is not associated with it. Okay. Because it's more like, you know, I'm looking forward to the next time I'm in a loving relationship. But if I'm not feeling lovable, then it's I'm craving somebody to love me so that I'll feel better about myself. Okay. All right. So actually the thing to do is to, is the stuff we're going to be doing in Module 4. Awesome. Glad, glad I could help you out to lead into that. <laughs> a little psychic. <laughs> so Module 4 is going to be all these self-loving activities, right? So if you're feeling that horniness, and that feeling of I sort of desperately want somebody to love me, that that person to love you can be you. Okay. Right? By doing these different uh, exercises we're going to be doing together. Okay. The coolosity. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. So we now have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. We're up to eight out of 18 people, so we got some more people on the call. Um, for the new people, we, we only had five initially. I was just pointing out how... Um, how this is the lowest turnout we've ever had, and it's no coincidence that's because we are now doing the self-love module. Uh-huh. Because that is, can make, it makes, like I said, people come face-to-face with not feeling self-loving or not feeling like they deserve it, and it's very uncomfortable, and all of a sudden they discover how busy, busy they are. Yeah. Uh, okay, Annette says she's okay with me answering her question on the call. Good. It's going to be really helpful for you, Annette, and for everybody else, too. And as you can see, it was helpful for, for Rita here. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And so what, one thing I'd like to say, so I'll go ahead and mm-hmm. mute, mute you now. This is for everybody. So, When somebody in the group shares uh, a question or, or a topic, I should say, that they feel shame about. So as you can, as you can imagine, Rita was feeling shame about jumping to bed with this guy on the first date and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really great if you guys can give her some support in the Facebook group. I mean, she's already feeling better, so you might think she doesn't need it anymore, but there's probably still a part of her that is afraid that, you know, maybe somebody, somebody is judging her for it or something like that. So it's really great if um, people put in the Facebook group. And uh, Rita, it's also great if you post in the Facebook group and you don't have to go through the whole big thing, but just say, you know, it was you know, scary for me to share that and, and you know, because I felt shame and, and it also helped. And you can give that sort of gives people something to respond to. 
so they can give you love and support. So I would encourage you to do that in the Facebook group. And the same for Annette. Annette's going to be uh, has a question about a topic that she feels you know, some very intense shame about, in fact. And it would be great to give her love and support as well uh, in, in the Facebook group. Okay, so Rita just said she'll post in the Facebook group. Fantastic. Okay. Um, so Annette, I'm not going to go into all the details. I just want to give people um, the general understanding of what you're talking about. And uh, let's see. I can all since you're live on the call on the phone, I'm going to go ahead and unmute you. Hi, Annette. Hello. Oh, there you are. All right. So this is very brave of you. I'm really appreciating you for being willing to do this. And I think you'll discover that a lot of people share your experience. Actually, I know a bunch of people share your experience. And it's going to be really healing to share it and to get people's support. All right, so I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to just go ahead and read what you wrote. Well, actually, I'm not going to read it verbatim because it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need all those details anyway. But the basic question is, Annette was asking, and it's also very helpful just in general for people to understand what you're asking because it could apply to them too. So the, the basic idea is, is that in Module 1, we're addressing the negative traits of our parents or caregivers. And the, Annette's question is, well, what if the, the painful trait that I experienced was not from my parents but from somebody else, in this case a neighbor? And before we even get into the details of what it is, um, I just want to answer that in general. And the, and the, the answer is yes. Uh, you know, it's simplistic to say you know, that it's just a negative trait for our parents. Um, and the reason why I usually just say that is because, you know, this is a complex topic and I'm trying to keep it simple. But the truth is that anything that happens when we're young, uh, you know, it's typically our parents, but it can be anybody, right? So our parents, whether it happens with our parents, uh, anything that's intense and impactful, whether it happens with our parents, with a sibling, with a neighbor, with a teacher, you know, uh, another relative, you know, grandparent, uncle, aunt, whatever, cousin, anybody, basically. Anybody who's in our life in some very significant way, and it doesn't have to be a caregiver, um, then that can impact us in the same way as the negative traits of our parents. So just talking about the negative traits of our parents is the simplified version. In reality, it's anything that is relationally impactful as a young child from any adult, or not even an adult, anybody. It could be a sibling, like I said. So if you get you know, like tormented by a sibling for some reason, that could be the negative trait that you're dealing with as an adult, even though it's not your parent. So anyway, that's the first answer is it can be anybody. Now, specifically, what you experienced, Annette, was that you had a neighbor who was a, an older teenage boy who you got uh, sexually abused by, basically. Yes. Yeah. And this sexual abuse, um, like it does for most people who get sexually abused, made you feel badly about yourself. There's something yes. about that experience that makes the victim feel dirty, uh, like dirt, like trash, like... You know, it makes them feel horrible about themselves when they're not the ones who did anything wrong, right? It's the other person who did it. And there's something about sexual abuse specifically that makes a person feel bad about themselves. 
And they feel humiliated, they feel ashamed, they feel dirty, they feel broken, they feel ruined, they, like all sorts of feelings like that. Um, and so in your case, it happened with a neighbor rather than a parent or a relative. And yes, you you really want to heal that. And then the other part of the question is when healing that, unlike with a parent that you live with you know, day after day, where you really want to reform that parent, right? So the normal healing process is we tap on the pain and then we stand up to the parent and then we re- we heal and reform the parent so we can have a loving connection. With this neighbor boy, um, there, we don't want that because there's no point in getting a loving connection with him. What we want is for you to address the pain of what happened, for you to stand up to him. When you stand up to him, you get to stand up to him in any way you want. I mean, you could you know, take out a baseball bat to him if you want, you know. One of the things I often do in abuse situations is we'll use the magic wand to make the young you four times stronger than him so she can not only push him off, but she can, like, start swinging around the room and beating him up, you know, to give you a sense of power to fight back and stand up for yourself, not just verbally, but just to beat the crap out of him if you want to. So... That's very healing to be able to do that. Um, and then you can have very any consequence you want. You could have him taken to, to get arrested, taken to court, go to prison. And if you want to, you can have him do he, the kind of healing work that would help him apologize, to sincerely apologize. Not that you'll have him back in your life as some sort of loving neighbor or whatever, but he could do some healing work to apologize for the harm that he did and that, that you didn't deserve it, and that it was his sickness that led to him doing that. You probably got abused, too. You know, That's typically what, what, what the source of it. Um, but you don't have to be sympathetic with that. The, the big thing is to, is to ha- uh, help you, the young you feel empowered. So like I say, I, I usually really like to give um, you know, the young self uh, great strength through uh, the magic wand so that they can you know, take care of themselves and do what they need to do to, to defend themselves to and beat the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And this is not your fault. There's something that also happens with sexual abuse where often the, the, the victim feels like somehow it's their fault, and it's not. It never is. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't ask for this. You know, this is a big adult-sized person, a little five-year-old you, Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it usually starts out gradually, right? It's not some sudden thing. So, that you know, it's, it starts gradually so that the child finds herself in increasingly, uh, you know, uh, it sort of it sort of a gradually works up to the abuse, so that it's not a sudden transition that they can react to. It's like sort of step by step. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Does that happen for you? Um, yeah, um, what I was wanting to know too, like, because, um, you know, I felt like, you know, why it wasn't happening to other people and why it was just happening to me, so I thought something was wrong with me. Yeah. So I don't know, like, how to address that. I don't know, like... Well, you like, don't know. You don't know that it wasn't happening to other people. 
Uh, well, for, yeah, I just because I um, never heard anybody. I don't know. Everybody. But seems nobody happy. heard from you either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Typically, people like that are abusing more than one person. Mm-hmm. They don't just single one person out. They they're usually, you know, doing it to lots of people. And not necessarily at the same time. They might focus on one person at a time, but, you know. But lots of times, more than one even. You know, whoever he could get his hands on, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, see, that's, that kind of thinking of why did he, you know, single me out, what did I do, is part of that kind of distorted thinking that happens to victims of sexual abuse where they somehow think that they somehow had a role in it. Right? Mm-hmm. And they yeah. didn't. You know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, you were accessible to him, and uh, he did it. But now, one of the things that you said in your email was that he threatened violence. Yeah. Right? To make you do it and and to keep you and to shut you up and to not tell anybody and all that stuff. And that's also very common. And that's one of the reasons why I use the magic wand to make your young self, you know, Ten times stronger, whatever number feels good to you, you know, like Supergirl. So you could just, you know, grab him by his foot and swing him around over your head if you want, you know, mm-hmm. so that his threat of violence becomes meaningless. Yeah, he um, he tried that with my little sister, and then that's when I did kind of fight back. Um, I threw my sister out of the window and then um, was like kicking and screaming and then, but then when my mom, my mom ended up finding out and then she yelled at me, like, why didn't I watch my sister? I was, I was seven and she was like four and, or maybe like three or four. And um, she, she had yelled at me and said, you know, why did I go in the house and um, why did, you know, why, you know, why didn't I watch my sister? So there's a lot of shame that I didn't protect my sister very well. I mean, nothing happened. Let me me just say something right there before you keep going. Okay. What your mother did was horrible. Yeah. Sadly, it's not an uncommon thing where they blame the victim, Mm -hmm. right? How could she possibly blame a seven-year-old? Seven-year-old. How you know? How big is a seven-year-old? They're little. How could mm-hmm. she possibly blame a seven-year-old for not doing a good enough job protecting her sister? When first of all, you have been abused first, and second of all, it's the parents' job of protecting the children. And your mother is, was the one who would lock you outside, as you said in another place yeah. in the email. That she, you would try and come in, and she would lock the door, and not let you in, and say, "Stay outside and play." So. In today's day and age, if that happened now, she would be arrested for abusive neglect and her children would be taken away from her. Mm-hmm. Right? It's illegal, illegal to leave children of that age unattended. Period. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, not, it's not even a duration. Like, it's okay to leave them unattended for five minutes. They're not, it's not legal to leave them unattended for any minutes. Right, mm-hmm. children that age need adult supervision, or yeah. need supervision. I guess a babysitter could do it, but you know, you, they need to be supervised at all times. They're, they're they're not old enough, you know. And this started when you were five. They're, they're, a five year old is not old enough to quote play outside on their own, unattended mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, you know, law enforcement agencies have decided that parents 
cannot all be trusted to honor that, so they've made it a law, and they arrest people for that now. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it was. So not only did she do something absolutely wrong, which puts you at risk, right? So you need to do some work on that with your mother. Mm-hmm. But then when she finds out that, you know, there's this boy abusing her daughters, instead of, of calling the police on him and going, oh, you poor thing, she's like yelling at you as if you did something wrong. That is so twisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought I did protect her because I stopped it before it really started. And so yeah. I was went from relieved to ashamed, and um, I felt that I didn't protect her like I should have because because I felt she was my responsibility. So you can see how mixed up this is. Yeah. She shouldn't have been your responsibility at seven. Seven Seven-year-olds are not old enough to be responsible for somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? The youngest you would, you wouldn't hire a seven-year-old to babysit your kids. No. (laughs) Right? I mean, mean, right, so you laugh. It's absurd, right? Yeah. And yet, parents will make their seven-year-old child responsible for their four-year-old child, which is equally ridiculous and equally laugh-worthy. Right. I have I have nieces that ha- are the same age that my sister and I were, and I couldn't even imagine them going outside in the front yard by themselves. On their own. And it's illegal. It would be illegal for a four-year-old and a seven-year-old to be outside in the yard by themselves. That's illegal now. Mm-hmm. So I want you to really hear that. It's not okay. What she was doing, none of that was okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and for the very reason as to what happened, Right. A, right. a young child, I mean, a, guy, a man could have just come walking down the street. Let's say you were there by yourself when you were five and your and your sister was uh, two. She, maybe she was still indoors and you were out by, by yourself at five. Some man could have been walking down the street and see this little five-year-old girl and and entice you away with some candy or something and kidnap you. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's a little, a little kid outside alone is at risk. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, in this case, to not be some man walking down the street. It turned out to be a teenage neighbor who was doing, you know, mm-hmm. being abusive. So it was your mom's fault for doing it to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then just to add, you know, traumatic insult to injury, she was then getting mad at you for not protecting your sister, which, in fact, you actually did, as you pointed out. And notice how it's easier to stand up when it's about somebody else than it is about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you want to bring that same energy of standing up for your sister that you had to for yourself. Right, yeah, and that's another thing I don't know. Like, I, I really made a big effort to stop it from happening when it was happening to my sister, mm-hmm. so I don't know why I didn't stop it as aggressively for because myself. He scared, he scared you. Yeah. It's shocking. What, see, when it happens to us, we go into a state of shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it, we're shocked that it's happening. And when we it, people who are feeling shocked, they tend to freeze. Freeze. See, there's... People talk about the fight-flight response. That's only two of the four natural uh, responses to threat. There's actually Mm -hmm. four. The other two, so there's fight-flight, and there's also freeze. So you're talking about deer in the headlights, that's freeze. Mm -hmm. And submit. You know, there's a lot of animals that submit when they're under threat. Oh, okay. Right? If you watch animals in response to threat, you'll see four behaviors. You'll see fight, you'll see fleeing, right? you'll see freezing, and you'll see submitting. Those are the four natural responses that we have to threat. And shock tends to create the freeze response. Mm. 
So okay. anyway, you were shocked. Um, he was intimidating. You were scared. You froze. Mm-hmm. Right? When it's about ourselves. And when it's about somebody else, for some reason, we're, it's easier for us to respond. But lots of times, also, when it's about yourself, you know, we get, like I said, there's something about sexual abuse that triggers this feeling that somehow I'm responsible. Somehow, um, you know, I, I, there's something about me. Why did he pick me? What did I do? I must have done something. Things like that, right? And it just causes us to get paralyzed. You know, it's, for somebody else, then all of a sudden our, our mama bear comes out and is like, how dare you? So, but it's never too late to go back and bring out your your, your female tiger. Mm-hmm. And so that same energy of protection you felt towards your sister, you know, we can we can infuse that into your five year old self so she, so she can stand up for herself that way. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And uh, so, it'd be good to do with your partner. So what's you, that? It'd be good to do with your partner so you'll get more mm-hmm. support. Yeah, because a lot of the names that he had called me, I I know I get triggers because I'll I'll they're general like t- names and if um even like my ex would say some of the names teasingly and it would just piss me off. Sure. And so I know it triggered a lot of the memories and he couldn't understand why I'd get so upset at the name he called me. Yeah, and and he said I was just playing, and I said, "Well, don't say that again." And I just like really. So, um, what was the worst name? When I want you to share it, it's probably shameful, but again, we want to heal the shame. So, what was the worst well, name called you that triggers you the most? Um, rabbit. I don't know. because um, I had my teeth used to stick out before I had braces, and he would say, "Like I look like a rabbit." And he's uh-huh. like make like rabbit like eating noises or something, right, right. and um, or or say um, like like ew you're gross like get away from me or something, and um, so like m- my ex had called me a rabbit for some reason, and I don't know if it was the way I was eating, but he said like you look like a rabbit or something, and that just like set me off, yeah. and um, because that so, yeah, was bring, like what so bring I was that every day. Session. Yeah, bring that into the se- into the session. Mm. It'll help decharge it. Mm, okay. But the yeah, so just you know, go back, you know, address all the pain, uh, get into the shame a lot in the tapping. Mm-hmm. That's why this is really good to do with the partners. This one's hard to do by yourself. Mm, I'd say it's pretty impossible to do this one by yourself. Do it with a partner. Mm-hmm. Get into the shame, all that stuff. Um, before you get to standing up to him, have your partner reassure you that you did nothing wrong, that it was he was the sick one who abused you, that you were the, the victim. So it's, okay. it kind of will add that little extra element. Have okay. your partner reassure you that you were the victim, you did nothing wrong, he was the sick one, and let that be the segue into you expressing your anger and standing up to him. Okay, because I have a lot of confusion and shame because I don't understand why I was always in that house. And, and I know that my mom did send me over there a few times, just go play with Susan, and and then so I would go well, do that. Well, that may be why. Was she mm-hmm. your your favorite friend to play with or the most yeah. convenient? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. You didn't want this other stuff to be happening. 
Mm-hmm. And I always thought he wouldn't this time or something. I go yeah, in there, and even though if I saw him, I'm like, okay, maybe he'll ignore me, and and um, and he wouldn't. But it seems yeah. like I believed he might not that time. And even though he did it so many times, I thought, well, he probably won't today. <laughs> I don't know why I was, I was five. You know, I I I guess yeah. I, don't so my, don't blame yourself. Yeah. Right? Don't blame yourself. Um, there's just really powerful stuff that happens to somebody who gets sexually abused like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it becomes very trance-like. Mm-hmm. It becomes very trance-like. So you're, you're not able to think clearly. You're not able to um, strategize or anything. right? You know, there's this threat of violence hanging over you. I mean, ideally, if you weren't scared, you would immediately go to your mother, who would ideally respond well, and then he would be arrested. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing you can do is redo the whole thing. Like once you've beaten them up and stuff, you can, you know, make it come out differently that way too if you like. But, mm-hmm. you know, lots of things we're too terrified to do anything and then we sort of walk around in a trance. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So luckily he did go to prison a lot because he was a heroin addict and so he died of it when he got out. So, right. you know, so, but it wasn't, yeah. not, he didn't get any kind of punishment for molesting all yes, or anything. Stuff. Yeah. And you were not the only one, I assure you. Mm-hmm. I totally assure you, you were not. And that brings us to your second question, which is, um, and it was basically I've already answered, you know, about being attracted to addicts, and he was an addict. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can address yeah. him being the addict. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be related um, that because I saw him, do. He was a big. He had a big impact on your life, mm-hmm. not in a good way, unfortunately. But anybody who has a big impact in your life, you know, then that becomes factors. Mm, okay. Sadly, but that's that's the way it works. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. Cause, um, but it's just my ex is the only one that was, you know. So all my life I didn't uh, wasn't attracted to any addicts, and then some became them after I met them. And but well, that's, then that's, a, that's, a, that's being attracted to an addict. Mm-hmm. If you're attracted to somebody who becomes an addict while you're together, that's you being attracted to an addict. Oh, okay. Okay. They don't have to start out being actively an addict. See, somebody becomes an addict. Um, that means they have that tendency to begin with, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't become one. Mm-hmm. Right? People don't have the tendency towards addiction don't become addicts. And the ones who do become addicts, just, they have that tendency. It's like a latent tendency that just needs to be triggered. Mm, right? Okay. So, yeah. If, you, if, yeah. if your partners became one after, once you were together, that counts. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, that would be a good thing to heal. So unfortunately, you got a bunch of healing. See, any time, see, the, his addiction was impacting you as well. Mm, okay. Right, and that's why we get attracted because it's a negative trait that impacts us. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense then. Um, yeah. Because I I just didn't understand like that. That's not, of course, my ideal guy. And then it ends up happening, and then it's just something that I end up having to deal with. Yeah. And. So I was like, oh, he's like, why do I always get these people or, you know, have some addiction, either alcohol or something? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So, and then the behaviors, too. Is My mom, I always say she acted like a person who came home drunk from the bar because she would always act like a pissed-off, drunk person, but she wasn't under any influence. It's just her, her personality. So, you know, so it's a, a lot of different things that are causing me to attract these people, I believe. Yeah. Well, the him being a direct addict and that kind of behavior would do it, too. Yeah. So as you heal that stuff, you'll stop being attracted to those kind of people. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Okay. All right, good. Have you have you did you do part one of the self appreciation exercise yet? Uh, just that was just a list of what of the the Which good like qualities that? I feel I have, right? Yeah, you did that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did that part. And how did, how was it for you to do that? I had a question about it because um, it's I. If I put my mind to something, then I am one of those good traits. But if I don't, like like right now, I um, am not strong. But when I work out and when I put my mind to it, there's been times that I've really um, built up my strength. And yeah. so I so I can't say I'm a strong person, but I know I can be. Right. So here's I how you want to word that. Yeah, I try to put. Okay. I try to describe that in the document I gave everybody. Okay. So we always want to write our appreciations as unconditional, right? No qualifications, no conditional language in there. So mm-hmm. can be is a conditional statement. I, you know, I appreciate that I yeah. can be strong, right? Because yeah. as soon as you say it conditionally, then our mind goes, "Oh, but I'm not now, or I'm not always, yeah. or whatever." Right? Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. but. There's an implied but. Yeah. Right. So we don't want that. So what you want to do is you want to find a way to word it where you can comfortably word it unconditionally. So one thing you could do is, I love how strong my body gets when I work out. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Like that, I love yeah. how responsive my body is to working out. Okay. Yeah, that that's better because I would say that I took it off my list and I'm like I've been strong. I was in the military. Mm-hmm. And people would um, say, man, you went over that gate fast. And, and yeah. now I'm like struggle to get over a gate. But I know that I was able to do that same gate last year because yeah. I worked out. So, you know, then I'm like, okay, wait, I'm not strong. So. <laughs> but, my, okay. but my body responds so well to working out. Oh, okay. I love how my, my body responds to working out. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So, all right. Then that it, it, kind of, it helps with a bunch of them I have. Good. Off my list. <laughs> Good. So okay, okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right. So um, let's see. I'm going to move on to uh, Anda and oh, and Annette, who I was just talking to, you, and Claudia and Carolyn, uh, and maybe others as well. Noticed that they had a blocking belief, and the definition of a blocking belief is it's a belief that interferes with the healing process. And typically, as soon as you identify a blocking belief, you want to address that first because it tends to block progress. That's why we call it a blocking belief. And the blocking belief that um, all four of them share is nothing is going to change, so why bother? I'll give you another example of a blocking belief. This is one I have to deal with. Every time I learn a new technique, <laughs> I have to deal, deal with it when I learn DMDR, with EFT, with Ask and Receive, you know, with every new technique I do. 
And that is an old belief from childhood that, that nothing helps me, or there is no help for me, actually, the way I word it. And so every time I learn a new technique, the feeling is always, wow, this is an amazing technique that's going to help so many people except for me. <laughs> right? And then I have to address that. So there's two ways to address a blocking belief. The traditional EFT way is you just tap on the negative belief statement until it stops feeling true. Right? So even though nothing's going to change, so why bother? I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself three times, and then just on every point you just say, nothing's going to change, so why bother? And just keep doing that, keep doing that until it stops feeling true. So you can certainly do it that way. But with the choices method, we have a faster, more effective way of doing it. And so I came up uh, with a choice statement for, to go with this. Feel free to modify it uh, for those of you who are using this one. So the first part is normal, even though nothing's going to change, so why bother? And then here's my choice statement. I choose to see the changes. So for those of you who are interested, write this down. I choose to see the changes I have already made. All right, that's the first part. I choose to see the changes I have already made. Because the reality is that for all four of you, you've already made progress. You know, it's not true that nothing's going to change. You've already experienced changes. Right? Sandra went through this too. So I choose to see the changes I have already made and be delighted and be delighted by the transformations and be delighted by the transformations that are to come. And be delighted by the transformations that are to come. So the basic idea is I want to appreciate the changes I've already made, made and to look forward to the ones that are coming. So the full choice statement is even though nothing is going to change, so why bother? I choose to see the changes I have already made and be delighted by the transformations that are to come. And just use the normal choices method protocol for that, and I think you'll be able to clear that belief in a pretty short order. It'll probably just take two or three choice trios, right? So six to nine rounds of tapping. Um, and you'll feel much better. If you think of a more succinct, succinct way to word that, then you know, make it shorter if you like. Uh, okay. Um, does anybody else have any questions? So we're going to do. We're going to get into our uh, our self. You know, another kind of you know building self love exercise. Uh, the the self appreciation exercise that we talked about in the last call, and I sent out the document for it. Uh, that's going to be really helpful. And, you know, for Rita, I, I know that you've, you've been told to do that one before, but I, I think my version it goes a little further than what you usually hear. But it's, it's a very helpful thing to build ourselves up. I think one of the things that people tend to do with that exercise is they write everything they like down, but then they don't actually use it. So part three is the important part, right? Parts one and two is really just the preparation. Um, and once you've developed a nice, good-sized list through parts one and two, you know you want to 
re Oh, Annette says, do you have do you say the same phrase to all the points? Or can we change the wording some of the time? Uh you can change the wording some of the time if you like. And just make sure you uh make sure you follow the procedure, you know, from the choices method in that in that uh the video I created. Um Oh, and Rita says, I just meant I've made lists but not actually used them for healing. Exactly. So that's the thing that I see a lot is that people you know, will make the list as if that's the healing exercise. And it can be nice, you know, a good experience to make the list itself. But what we to use it for healing is that third part where we read through the list very slowly, making sure we feel our appreciation for each thing we're reading before moving on. You want to, you want to feel that appreciation. Okay. And if you do that, that's the key. I've had clients just read the list by rote and it doesn't do, doesn't do anything for you. You want to feel your appreciation for each item on your list and as you go. And that would be very impactful. Um, now, before I get into the, the live exercise we're about to do, I want to see if there's anybody on the call who had a hard time creating this list. That's why I wanted everybody to try and at least create the initial draft of their list before this call. Did anybody have a hard time with it? And if you did, press star 8 to raise your hand or type a chat message. Oh, Annette said, that's what I did. I just read my list and felt robotic and not true. Right. So just rereading it doesn't do anything for you. That's why I'm really emphasizing this, is that it's really important to feel your appreciation for each item. And... Uh, you know, when you're not feeling good, that's that can be challenging. Like I'm not feeling good. So if it's you know, if you have to spend minutes on the first item, right? Like I can't seem to feel my appreciation for it, just stay with it until you do. And once you do, you'll notice that everything starts shifting. Right? That's the key to it working and helping. Just really stay with it. And if you're having trouble you can even tap. Even though I can't feel my appreciation for the fact that, you know, my body you know, responds so well to working out, like in that example, you know, I deep and profoundly love and accept myself. Tap on, I can't feel my appreciation right now. I can't feel any appreciation for myself right now. Just keep tapping on that and then go back to the list. And that can help. Anybody else uh, have any, come across any challenges as they're trying to make the list itself? Or using it, like Annette was having trouble feeling robotic and not true? All right for that. Um, all right, so nobody seems to be doing that. So just, like I say, you know, work with that, and you're going to find it very helpful. Um, and now we're going to do a live guided process. And so it will be on the recording. And uh, I'll probably, within the next couple of days, you know, extract out this guided thing so you don't have to listen to the whole recording just to get this part. Um, and you're going to want to rework, reuse this as well. So we're going to be doing an EFT uh, guided imagery experience right now. <clears throat> okay, so what I'd like everybody to do is get comfortable, but not so comfortable you might fall asleep. Um, there's, As I said at the beginning of this call, there's a part of us that feels uncomfortable with loving ourselves. For some people, it might be such a strong discomfort that they don't even show up to the call itself. For other people, it may show up 
as you disappearing. Um, like for instance, I have had experience where I was doing the same guided thing as the you know being led into this guided imagery that I'm about to do with you, and my mind just started thinking about other things. Right? That's so you, I escaped. I went away. If you notice that happening, it's fine. It's lots. That's it happens for me all the time. <laughs> so just don't worry about it. Just come back. Simple as that. If it happens, just come back. Just come back. And that may, it may happen many times <laughs> during this guided imagery. You just keep coming back. That's all you need to do. And when you and then you know you'll re, you'll reuse this recording, and then uh, it'll be it'll get better and better for you. All right. So what I like everybody to do is get reasonably comfortable. Oh, the other thing people can do is just fall asleep. Right? So that's the ultimate way of escaping or leaving this experience is to fall asleep. So get you know reasonably comfortable, not at risk of falling asleep, and start tapping. This will also help you keep from falling asleep. So close your eyes, start tapping all the points. Um, you don't have to do really rapid tapping right now because we do want to get kind of meditative, you know, kind of a guided imagery. So just kind of tap at a more moderate speed, you know, like tap, 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 and just kind of working your way through the point instead of tap, 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 right, you know. So close your eyes and start tapping all the points. So I want everybody to understand that we are all born completely loving beings, little little loving beings of light. We love everything. Right? Like we are wide open. Our hearts are wide open. We love our caregivers. We love ourselves. We love the world. We love everything we're experiencing. Right? We love exploring. We love, it's, we're, babies are just incredible. You know, they're just so open and loving. You know, later on in life, things happen to us, and then we start retreating and having a protective shells and all that kind of stuff. But we're born wide open and loving. So what I'd like everybody to do is to see their mother pregnant. And it's okay if you know you're adopted and you never got to meet your original mother or whatever. That's not important to this exercise. And in fact, in this exercise, our parents are not important in this exercise. Instead, I'd like you just see your mother's body being pregnant with you. See your mother's belly. If you're not a visualizer like me, just experience your mother's belly being pregnant however you do that. So there's little fetus you growing inside your mother's belly. And she's getting more and more pregnant. Her belly is getting bigger and bigger month by month until she's ready to give birth. And don't worry about how you're born, C-section or natural, whatever, it doesn't matter. I want you to be there at the birth of yourself. Like you're in the room. And I want you to see your baby self come out, get cleaned up, 
If you had a traumatic birth, birth, let that part of it go. Wait till the trauma is over. Uh, you know, whatever happened, we, we, we want to let all circumstances go. And instead, just simply come to whatever point you need to be at where you're okay. You know, physically okay, right? And I want you to just see your little baby self. Your, your newborn baby self, she or he has been cleaned up, wrapped in a little blanket, and you can see her little face or his little face. See your little baby self's face. And see the beauty of this little baby. I'm not, not, I'm not so much talking about physical beauty as the beauty of this baby's spirit. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this baby. Who this baby is. Again, I'm not worried about any physical imperfections or, or difficulties or whatever. I'm talking about who this baby is as a person. There is nothing wrong with her or him. On the contrary, this little baby is a beautiful little bundle of love and light. This little baby that is you is a beautiful being of love and light. Those people who are sensitive to things like this could actually see a glow of light around this baby. And I I invite you to let yourself see it. If you're a visualizer or sense it otherwise, feel that light radiating from this baby. The baby has just come from the world of spirit. And spirit is still with this baby. This baby who is you. baby opens her or his eyes and looks at you with love. Look back and see the beauty of this baby. The beauty of this baby's spirit who is you. Hold this baby in your arms. Holding your baby self in your arms, gazing into each other's eyes. And your baby self is smiling at you, loving you. Feel the beauty of this baby's spirit who is you. Purity. Wonderful little bundle of love and light. Now, we're going to start moving forward in time. 
and you're going to stay by your baby's self side. And we're not going to worry about things that happened to this baby at different ages by parents or whoever it was. What we want to see is that the beauty and essence of this baby, right, the essence of who this little being is, is always there. There is nothing wrong with this baby when she or he was born. And at one years old, there's still nothing wrong with this baby. Right? Now, a one-year-old baby, probably maybe walking around a little bit, definitely crawling. And this baby is still a bundle of love and light. We're going to kind of protect the baby from anything that might happen from all external influences. Okay? We're just going to see as this baby gets older, now two years old, that there's nothing wrong with your young two-year-old self. The beautiful essence and spirit of this child is wonderful. Child who is you. Nothing wrong with this two-year-old. Two-year-old has learned how to say no and is using it delightfully. No, no, no. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with this baby, this two-year-old toddler. And again, we're not going to let anything bad happen. Things might have happened when you were two in real life. We're not worried about anything like that. We just want to see that the the essence of this <clears throat> of this person is always pure. You know, things may have happened that made this child feel badly about her or himself eventually, but we're going to protect her from that and him from that. Now three years old. Lots of exploring going on now. Real love exploring the environment. They're much more able to. That's why we have to chase after them all the time. <laughs> they start kind of quickly walking away. There's nothing wrong. And this child, who is you, is taking delight in exploring their environment. The world is just so fascinating. And this child is still beautiful in a three-year-old way. Child, who is you? And you're going to hold this child's hand and play together and do things together. In different times, you're going to come together and look at each other's eyes. You're going to appreciate how wonderful this three-year-old is. Your three-year-old self is looking at you with love or or his eyes. Nothing wrong with this three-year-old. Now we're at five. 
old enough to go to kindergarten, old enough to draw things, old enough to learn, maybe start to learn to read or something, maybe. We're getting more and more capable, more and more active, able to do more things. And that same beautiful spirit is still present. Still a beautiful child. Still an adorable child. You play along with the child. You draw together or paint. Maybe you go exploring the environment, looking at the bugs, go to the zoo, fun things. This is the, this is the true essence of this child. There's nothing wrong with this five-year-old. Five-year-old who is you is wonderful and has a beautiful spirit. When you look into each other's eyes, feel your love from your five-year-old. There's love in your five-year-old's eyes looking at you. You feel your love and appreciation for the beauty of this five-year-old child. And now, your young self is eight. Writing, arithmetic even. More and more capable. More able to do more complex physical things. Able to learn more complex things. Able to explore more. Bigger, stronger. And there's nothing wrong with this eight-year-old. That beautiful spirit lives with this eight-year-old all the way back from birth. The essence of who this eight-year-old being is is the same through every year. And this is a wonderful, adorable eight-year-old. And you do things together. It's so pleasurable to see your eight-year-old self function in the world, do things in the world, explore, build, learn, play, have fun, go to the beach, squeal with delight. The beautiful essence of this child is wonderful. Love watching young self. Young self looks at you and your eyes lock onto each other. Feel the love flowing between you. Your love for your young self and your young self's love for you. Now your young self is 12. 
There's nothing wrong with this 12-year-old. Same beautiful essence. Same beautiful spirit. Older now, even more capable. Probably in puberty. Puberty may have started earlier. 12-year-old self is starting to develop. Body's changing. Getting smarter and smarter each year. Sense it. 12-year-old's mind is able to handle more complex thoughts than your 8-year-old mind was, your 5-year-old mind. Your, your self is growing. Nothing wrong with this 12-year-old. On the contrary, this 12-year-old the same beautiful, wonderful spirit and is growing in every way. Physically growing, mentally growing, emotionally growing, capabilities are growing, everything. Starting to transition into, you know, not adult exactly, but starting to lead being a child into the next stage of development. And it's so wonderful to, to witness this child, 12-year-old child who is you. Again, exploring her or his world. More complex reading, more complex math, more complex learnings, various things. More capable. 12-year-old is capable of doing a lot of things. feels good to, to become more capable, to do more things. And the beautiful spirit started all the way back with newborn baby. The beautiful essence is still there, just flourishing more and more, in fact. You do things together. Your 12-year-old self recommends books for you to read them together. And get to share in your 12-year-old self-life. And it's fascinating to watch. So pleasurable to be a part of it. You look at each other and your eyes lock. You just feel all of your love and appreciation for what a wonderful 12-year-old child this is your young self. Your young self looks back at you with looks of love. In this together. You move forward. 16. And you know, your 16-year-old self has matured much more. You're female. You may be at full physical maturity at 16, full height, full de- fully developed. You're male. you still got more to go, but getting a lot closer to adulthood development. Bigger, stronger. Nothing wrong with a 16-year-old. Same beautiful spirit. 
and all the way back. Same essence. Same unique flavor. Same wonderful qualities. Wonderful qualities keep growing. <clears throat> and sure, there could be lots of confusing things going on in your 16-year-old's life. Maybe dating, maybe you know, various social stuff that can be very confusing. But there's nothing wrong. Even if your 16-year-old self is confused and struggling, join the club. <laughs> Most 16-year-olds are confused and struggling with their social lives and everything else. It's a very confusing time with raging hormones and trying to understand how to do stuff. But even with all that, there's nothing wrong with a 16-year-old because it's normal to feel all those things at that age. See the beauty of the spirit of the 16-year-old self that is you. All the 16-year-olds out there you know, are all exploring their world, their social environment, you know, more advanced concepts in school, greater capabilities in what they're able to do. Some 16-year-olds might even be working. They're all capable of working at this point. In fact, in uh, you know, societies hundreds of years ago, they would be considered an adult at 16. They might even be married with their first kids by now. How capable they are. In our society, we, we let them grow more, so they get more experience before having to be on their own. But they got a lot of capabilities. And that's really cool to see. Matter. Struggles and confusion, they're normal. That beautiful spirit, that beautiful essence, who this person is, all the way back from birth, still there and always will be. And it's so wonderful to watch, to see your 16-year-old self exploring the world. See the, the beautiful essence and flavor You look at each other, lock eyes, and your six-year-old self feels your love and loves you right back. Feel the appreciation. Now, if at any point you struggled during this imagery up to here, that's okay. You're going to come back and do this one again. If anything we did that made you cry, that's actually wonderful. Crying doing this exercise is a healing crying. If you find yourself crying at any point, welcome it. Embrace it. Go with it. Crying. It means your heart is opening and you're taking in the loving energy and releasing old pain. Good healing crying. 
And I'd like you to see all the cells that we worked with, your newborn self, kind of like all lined up, your newborn self, your one-year-old self, your two-year-old self, your three-year-old self, your five-year-old self, eight-year-old self, 12-year-old self, 16-year-old self. See a line. All these cells. See? They're all wonderful. Yes, we know that in real life, things happened to them that made them feel like they weren't okay. Made them feel like there was something wrong with them or parts of them. But those were not the truth. This is the truth. Those things were actually from the problems of the parents, right? Or anybody else. And these were due to the woundings and, and ill health, you know, emotional health of the other people. There was, I want you to see, as you see that lineup of your baby self all the way to, to 16 and beyond, there was never, ever anything wrong with anyone, any version of you at any age. You were always good. You were always lovable. You were always growing. You've always had ever-increasing capabilities, and you will continue to do so for your whole life. You were always lovable and good all the way to now and beyond. doing is reclaiming your goodness. There's a lot of healing work to spit back out negative messages. None of these negative messages were you. They were all the other people. We're going to do, I want you to repeat, I want to everybody repeat something. We're going to do a little ask and receive right now. I want you all to say, there's a part of my being that already knows. Repeat that. There's a part of my being who already knows. How to remove all of the non-me energy. How to remove all of the non-me energy. That I absorb from these other people's wounds. That I absorb from these other people's wounds. And I release, and I remove their energy, and I remove their energy from all of myself, from all of myself, and my body and my personal space, and my body and my personal space, and I give it to the light. Give it to the light. So now I want everybody in any way you experience this, to feel this negative energy, these negative messages leaving your system. All those negative messages, either explicit, directly said to you, or implicit, just kind of were conveyed by how they treated you. All these negative messages that you absorbed into your, into your body and your spirit and your system, I want you to just feel it leaving your body, leaving your system, leaving your spirit. When I do this, it feels—it actually literally feels like a mist rising off my body. But everybody experiences it differently. Just feel it leaving you. Leaving you. 
tapping and feeling this negative energy that you absorb from parents and other people leaving your system. I'll tell you when we're going to continue, when we'll do something else. Keep going. You don't have to think specifically what the old negative messages were. You can if you want to, but just feel the negative messages and energy leaving your system. Leaving your system. Loading away. Radiating away. Sliding away. However you experience it. Ah, everybody take a big deep belly breath. And I want you to go back to seeing that lineup from newborn baby all the way up through your sixteen year old self. And now add your current self to that lineup. Whatever age you're at now, put that version of you next to your 16-year-old self. The beauty and essence and unique flavor of who you are started all the way back with your birth through every year, continuing through your 16-year-old self and all the way to your current self is there has always been there. There's never been anything wrong with you in any of those ages, including now. Just because we have to do healing doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. The core of who you are has never changed. It's still the same beautiful essence, the same unique, wonderful flavor, the same specialness that is you. I want you to send your love to the whole lineup of you, the little baby, newborn, all the way up to your current self. And I'd like you to see them all looking at you with love in their eyes. Look back and forth. knowing that you are whole. Even with the wounds that we're healing, your core essence is untouchable, cannot be damaged, still there, and will always be there. And it is beautiful. Take another deep breath. Hey, open your eyes. And I would love for people to share. And if you had a wonderful experience, share. And if you had a really difficult experience, share. In fact, if you had a difficult experience, I really, really want you to share. So I can help with that if need be. Um, So press star 8 if you're on the phone. Or go ahead and type a chat message otherwise. 
But I would love to get you know, a few people sharing their experience. So who would like to share? I'm going to press star 8. Okay, good. So who is this? Hi, this is Nell. Hey, Nell. And I had a lot of trouble focusing and kept my mind kept drifting off. Yeah, join the club. <laughs> I told you that's what I do on these kind of things. Um, so it's just the same thing we were t- I was talking about before. Is there's a, we we're, we come face to face with you know as we try and do this exercise to help increase our self love, we come face to face with the part of us that doesn't feel that lovable. And it's it's an uncomfortable conflict, internal conflict, and lots of times we just escape it by drifting away, thinking about other things, going to sleep, and stuff like that. Be compassionate with yourself for doing that, and just go back and do it again. You know, listen to it again. Okay. Did you have anything well, else come up specifically, or any other stuff besides drifting away? Well, the main thing for me is that I'm really nervous about asking someone else what they think is good about me. Asking someone else what they think, what? What? When the time comes for um, to ask someone else what they think is good about me, that makes me very... Angry. Yeah. Yeah. It's So that's, the, in fact, that's very, very much the same thing. Uh, often for people, the hardest part of the self-appreciation exercise is the asking the other people one in part two. And uh, it's very understandable because, again, there's a part of us that doubts our lovability, um, and so we feel afraid of what people might say. Um, We feel embarrassed. You know, lots of kinds of stuff can come up. And I'll tell you this. Every single person who got through their fear of asking, when it finally happened, uh, the person that they asked really appreciated being asked and, and felt really good to them to do it. And it ended up being a good experience. You know, even if you struggle taking it in, you're going to write everything down and it helps. You know, it's it's a very common thing to struggle with that. Um, but I really encourage you to, to work through it, to tap on your fear of calling somebody and asking them for it and and go for it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Anything else? Um, that's all. Okay. Great. So thank you very much for sharing all that. Okay. So I'm going to move on to Southern Alberta. Who is this? Hi. This is Jackie McLeod. Hi. Hey, Jackie. Hi. I found it um, the exercise actually very peaceful. Um, I felt like I was able to see myself without all the garbage and it felt really healing, particularly right now, because I'm going through a really unsettled period. Like I, this has stirred up a lot for me. Like when I shared that I'm special thing on, it started from there. When I shared that I'm special thing on, on in the group. Uh-huh. Ever since then, I've just been really struggling with feelings of um, feeling just the opposite. <laughs> Absolutely, that I'm not very special, and I feel cranky. I feel like I'm going to cry at any given moment and I feel angry and I feel hurt and I just feel horrible. I don't like how I feel and 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 where I am right now. I just it's so uncomfortable for me. 
and I, I have difficulty concentrating on other things and I just feel like I feel like I'm almost feel like I'm falling apart. A few times I felt some panic attacks come up, but I just breathe through them and and just assure myself that you know I'm okay and and just keep going. But it just feels so unsettled right now. I I can only describe it as just feeling miserable. Yeah, and that does um, happen when we when we stretch into feeling good, to claiming our goodness. Then all the ways that we felt rejected growing up come start slamming into us and we get terrified that somebody's going to go, oh yeah? Here, let me reject you. Yeah. Right? And I bet everybody on the call can relate to what you're saying right now, at least to some degree, if not completely. Um, and so what we want to do is just go, even though I'm afraid of being attacked or rejected, still want to claim my specialness. And so you're going to tap on both your fears, kind of like a choice statement. I, you know, I choose to to embrace my specialness. And everybody is special. I mean, there's, there's no question about that. So you can tap on the fear of being attacked or rejected and and then keep boosting your, your owning the fact that you are special. You know, you have a unique flavor. And there's somebody out there who's going to think that your flavor is the most delicious flavor on this planet. Right? Like more than one somebody. So, that's a great thing to do. Do you think that now is a good time? Like I I had this opportunity like in a couple days to go to some singles activities and I've been really struggling with it. Like part of me wants to go and part of me is just is going, no, I'm not ready. I don't feel good right now and yeah, maybe it's wait a couple of days. Yeah. And maybe it's not a good time right now. Yeah. See, as we do module four, I think module four is going to be a great help to everybody. Um, but as we first start getting into module four, it can have a bit of the opposite effect because it does bring us face to face with not feeling lovable. As we're working on self love, we encounter our feelings of not feeling lovable. And so it's going to leave us leave people um, kind of stirred up around that. You know, like I said, this is the lowest turnout of any call in the whole program, and it's about self-love, right? So, yeah. <laughs> third time I said it now, right? It's, 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 there's no surprise here, is what I'm saying. So, in the very beginning, as we directly approach building up our self-love, that you know, I've, I've said it multiple times now, right? So, it's you'll be stirred up. So, I would recommend that you wait a few weeks till the till the end of module four. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's what I need to do as well. Yeah. But then I'm putting myself down thinking, well, I, I need to get out there and start trying, but but no. this really doesn't feel like the right time. No, I, yeah, I would say not. Okay. And, uh, after Module 4 will be a good time to do it because everybody will be in a better place. I'm not saying that people will be all done by then, but people will be in a better place, and, and then you can start kind of you know working with the living laboratory of dating uh, to see what's left to address and what you need to focus on and stuff like that. So I think then it's good to do it, but uh, yeah, I would not. I would encourage you not to do it now. Okay. Um, and for those of you who are seeing somebody already, uh, this is a time where, as you're building up your self-love, it may feel it actually make you initially feel more insecure with the person you're seeing, right? Because it's it's like I said, as we work on our self-love, it, it can bring out the ways we don't feel 
loving of ourselves or think we deserve it, things like that. And that makes us feel insecure, and then all of a sudden you might be feeling more insecure with your partner. So just recognize that. And the way to address it is we uh, can tap on it, even though I don't feel like I deserve to love myself, I deeply, profoundly love and accept myself. Right? We, we work with it directly. And just keep redoing these exercises. So we, have, we now have two exercises. We have that self ex- self-appreciation exercise, um, which is really a great one to start building our foundation. That's a good one for building foundation. And then this, ex- this guided imagery thing that we just did is a way of starting to shift our energy. So you want to repeat that one. Next week, we're gonna, I'm going to lead you through um, hopefully two more, uh, not just one, uh, in that call. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep building on it. So so most of this, you know, during this uh, module, you know, there'll be all these nice exercises you can do where you just kind of replay the recording and go with it. So it's kind of easy. Anything else? Um, no, I, I think that's it. And, and part of it is the recognition that I guess that I'm um, feeling like feeling so unloved and, and but at the same time desperately wanting to be loved sure. or comforted because I'm feeling so lousy but I'm alone you know there's there's nobody there's nobody that can fulfill that need for me um really so well what you're doing though is like I said earlier with uh, Rita when she's you know was feeling constantly horny which is showing that desperate feeling of I, I want somebody to love me yeah what we're working on this module is giving yourself love. Yeah. Right. So as you give yourself more and more love through these various exercises we're doing in this module, um, because they're all about feeling good about ourselves. By, you know, we're, it's all about giving positive energy to ourselves to counteract all the negative stuff. Um, you won't feel that desperate need. Because it comes from a place of feeling not lovable, and deprived of love growing up. So it's like somebody filled this hole. But when we try to get it from the outside to fill this you know, old hole from childhood, it feels bottomless. Because when we do that, we only feel better during the exact moment it's happening. Like as I'm feeling loved right now, I'm feeling good. But five minutes from now, I won't anymore because you're not actively loving me right now. Right, yeah. and that, that hole is still there. We fill the hole by loving ourselves, by doing these kinds of experiences. We start, we, we are filling the hole for ourselves, um, so that we can actually be in a state of ongoing love with somebody without feeling like we are dependent on them. Like it's not a needy place. It's I'm feeling good about me, and I would love to share my good feelings with you. And have this, you know, back and forth, mutual loving exchange and things like that. Versus, I'm a little child, still desperately wanting a parent's love that I never got. And will you be my my parent? Yeah. Which is what it is. Otherwise, it's was it really kind of going on deep down. And maybe that's why I feel so cranky and irritable and all that because I'm just feeling like a little kid would. Exactly right. <laughs> and angry, like I want someone to love me. I want this. I want that. Right. And, and there's nothing like, wrong with and that. And I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, well, but we want to be compassionate about it. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, if we were deprived, see, most of us did not get enough love or enough healthy love growing up. So we were deprived. And 
you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, 98% of the population, right? This is not an uncommon thing. This is, this is the universal experience. Um, there's only a small percentage of people who had, you know, two really loving, really healthy, really available parents. And it's a pretty unique thing, right? And maybe it's as many as 5%, I don't know. But it's not, it's a small percentage. Um, the vast majority of us, we didn't get enough love. So we all are sort of cranky little kids feeling deprived because we were deprived. That was the truth and the reality. So, but the solution is to not seek it outside. The solution is to give it to ourselves in this way. And, and then we form this really nice, loving relationship with ourselves. And then, we sort of, and then that helps us feel more solid within ourselves. Instead of feeling like there's this empty hole inside, we feel solid. We feel good. We feel confident, comfortable. And then we can share love in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. We'll still have moments of childlike neediness, but we won't be living there all the time. That's the difference. You get that? Yeah. Yeah. Because we never totally grow up. We never totally heal, right? We just heal enough. We grow up enough, yeah. right? And so there'll always be times when we're feeling like a needy little kid at times. You know, I think I just need to have compassion for myself because. Because I, I'm feeling so many negative emotions, which I'm not used to feeling, I feel bad. Like, I feel like it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's really where I need to be right now. Yeah. So when that happens, see the, the young you. Get in touch with how young you feel. Might be four or five, something like that. And yeah. then, you know, visually see or sense that self and send love, love to her. Or in the case of Lewis, to him. Okay. Right? If you're having all these negative feelings, it's because this, the young part of you is feeling bad and is needing love. And because I was I was not able to express negative emotions when I was young, because I was always told, "Well, you don't have anything to feel bad about or angry about," or I was always kind of talked out of it. Right. So I so couldn't tell her that she has plenty to feel bad about. She has every right to feel bad. Let's counter that negative message. Everybody has every right to feel every feeling they have. That's probably a really good thing for me to do that. Yeah. See, our feelings are a natural response to things that happen to us. So if we're having a feeling, that's because something happened, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, lots of parents, you know, get triggered by their kids' feelings and then try and talk them out of it. Some of them even, I mean, let me give you another example. There are even loving parents who just don't know the correct way to respond to a child's feelings and makes the feel, their child feel like it's not okay. So I'll give you a classic example. Many parents confuse crying with the sadness. See, crying is the way a child naturally releases their sadness, right? So if a child's feeling sad, if they cry, that's them releasing the sadness, like a tank of water. They keep crying until the sadness is all drained away, and then they're done. That's the natural process. But a lot of parents think, oh, crying is being sad rather than the expression of sadness. And they think, well, if I can just get my child to stop crying, they won't be sad anymore. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah. And so you'll see this all the time. You'll see a, a parent with a young child, and the child is crying. And in, in, with the best of intentions, with lots of loving energy, they go, they'll start bouncing the child on their knee, and they go, oh, look at that pretty birdie over there. Isn't that, isn't that birdie pretty? Or, oh, look at that doggy. You want to pet the doggy here? And they try and 
distract them out of their crying. <clears throat> and lots of times it works in the sense that the kids will stop crying, but the, the implied but what you've done is it's short circuited their natural healing process of crying until they're done crying and, and they're releasing the sadness. So now they're still they're keeping the sadness inside of themselves. Plus they're getting this implied message from the parents that it's not okay to cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So there's that one, and that's parents who are loving with good intentions. <laughs> and then there's parents who have a hard time with emotions because it's triggering them, and then they'll get angry and, you know, you've got nothing to cry about, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anytime you're feeling anything at any age, there's a good reason for it. It's in response to something that's either happening or has happened. So you, you have a right to feel everything you're feeling. Never wrong. That's a really important thing to remember. Okay. Thank you so much. That helps. And you're very welcome. You know how to deal with this miserable feeling. <laughs> Good, yeah. <laughs> Just love your inner child when you feel those miserable feelings and know that your feelings are all okay. Okay. All right. All right, so let's see. So we have another person. We have Rita. Hey, Rita. Hey, how are you doing? I know it's late, so I'll try to be kind of quick. Um, First of all, what a great session. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. It was really very, very helpful. You just shared so much insight and um, information, so thank you. Um, So this this exercise, um, it was good. It was peaceful, and you do have a very peaceful voice that is easy to fall asleep to, but uh, I did not. I did not fall asleep. Um, the couple of different times that my arm got tired of tapping, I just like stopped and relaxed with it. But um, but then you said something about, you know, if you cry during it, you know, that's a good natural release. And then I immediately thought, well, what's wrong with me? Because I didn't do that. Whereas all like, the people who cried when they were crying, they might have been going, oh, my God, I'm crying. What's wrong with me? <laughs> right. So, right. But then, um, then at the one point that you talked about, you had us release the negative messages. Uh-huh. That's the point that slammed me. So it was. So I just it felt weird. Um, yeah. Well, first it felt a little weird. It was like almost like this misty weave, you know, misty thing was coming up through my body and leaving my body. Good. And like it was almost like vapor like. It was. Yeah, that's how I experienced but, it. A mist. Okay. And then at one point I was just slammed with sadness. It was okay. overwhelming, and that's when I started to cry. Yeah, well, so you just, got to do it too. <laughs> I got, yeah, that's right. Then I was like, oh, good, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I just, I just cried a lot all the way to the end. I couldn't hardly get through the end of it. Um, okay. But it was just, you know, and then I was glad there was a couple of different calls so I could kind of pull it together, but... It was just really, really helpful. And so I look forward to listening to this um, session again because you really just shared so much valuable information. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad it was, that you found it really helpful like that. It's great. So, yeah, it's so funny. Um, yes, yeah, so the uh, everybody's going to respond. To, you're going to be touched by something, and well, at some point. You know, some of you may have just found it kind of peaceful from beginning to end and didn't have any kind of, like, dramatic experience, and that's okay, too. Um, some of you, like Mel, may have kept leaving. 
like I say, welcome to the club. That's my that's my mode. Um, that's okay. Whatever you experience is okay, right? So whatever whatever experience you had was exactly right for now. It's it's where you're at, and we we want to accept that. We don't want to be critical of ourselves. Going, oh shoot, I didn't have the experience I wanted, or it wasn't okay. I didn't cry. I did cry. I this or that. You know, I felt love. I didn't feel love for myself. You know, whatever. Everything was okay. Whatever you experienced is fine. It's just where you are right now. And what you do is you just keep replaying this audio, and you feel uh, you'll feel different things at different times. You know. So like I say, the crying comes from your heart opening. So different things will trigger people's heart to open at different times. But doesn't when your heart opens, you won't always cry. It's just that when you cry, it's it's always a result of your heart opening. So it's, it doesn't go both ways. You can have a nice open heart and feel a lot of love and stuff and not cry. That's fine too. Um, for Rita, this idea of releasing negative messages is what opened her heart. And then she started releasing some of the pain of those old negative messages. And that's great. So um, hopefully other people had also found this call very helpful. Uh, it would be wonderful if people share their experiences in the Facebook group. Uh, so you can kind of share around that. It would be great for me to see different everybody else's you know, reactions to the call, what you got from it, and things like that. Um, and next week we're going to do, hopefully, two more exercises. Um, so that's going to be cool too. So in the meantime, you know, do put a lot of energy into these positive experiences. The self-appreciation exercise, appreciation exercise, do that a bunch of times. Replay this audio. Um, do more Module 1 stuff um, if you're still working on that stuff. And I'll see you next week. I'm going to unmute everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.